Where did you get the idea for the title, Glass Houses? It's been almost 15 years now uh, since Billy didn't graduate from Hicksville High School. He's moved into a modern glass house on Long Island, a stone's throw from where he used to live. I would throw a rock through that window. His picture window is on the cover of his latest album, Glass Houses. It's a window made for looking out, not peering in. And the success of his albums has allowed Billy Joel to make his home life today just what he wants it to be, totally private. Some have said the human Professionally, Billy's more open. He recorded Glass Houses at a studio in New York City with Phil Ramone, his producer since The Stranger. You are such a prisoner of prizes. You see, is that too poetic? Purple prosy? No, not really. I think if he come out of it, all right. If he comes out. And I am just a victim. With only minutes to go before actually recording, Billy's composing a line for a song he'll call Don't Ask Me Why. The Billy Joel sound now is not one that's easily pinned down. He can sound like Mick Jagger on one song and then turn around and you'd swear it's Paul McCartney on another. But the songwriting is still very much Billy Joel's alone. Even if it's finding a rhyme at the last minute. Everybody's waiting for me to finish these songs. It's like squeezing a lemon. You don't have to get hung up on this. We can do the job. No. Let's do... You may be right. Hi, I'm Alan Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And I'm Paul Lauren. And this is Billy Joel, A to Z. From all about soul, way down to Zanzibar, and still rock and roll, though we don't play no guitar. You rank them high, rank them low, you may be right, big man on Mulberry Street, here on Billy Joel, A to Z. Hello and welcome to another awesome Billy Joel album wrap-up as the classic song, You May Be Right, brings us to the close of another William Joel album entitled Glass Houses. Billy Joel's seventh studio album, Glass Houses, was released March 12th, 1980 and went to number one on June 14th, 1980, where it stayed for six weeks only to be replaced by the Rolling Stones' Emotional Rescue. It had four top 40 songs released and his first number one song ever, and it's still rock and roll to me. The album has gone seven times platinum. That's selling over seven million records. The album won Best Rock Album at the American Music Awards that year. The album was nominated for a Grammy for Album of the Year after he actually won Album of the Year the year before, but this time he lost out to the very lame Christopher Cross self-titled album, which, if we're being honest, does at least have some classics. Interestingly, Billy was nominated that year with his heroes, and they all lost out to Criss Cross. That's Frank Sinatra and Barbara Streisand, and also Pink Floyd's The Wall also lost out to that Criss Cross character. So, I, you know, what are you going to do? It's that guy's year. The important thing is that Billy Joel won Best Male Rock Vocal Performance that year, and he beat out Jackson Brown, Kenny Loggins, Bruce Springsteen, and his main idol, Paul McCartney. 
the best rock vocal performance was a brand new category in 1980. So Billy Joel was the second person to ever win it. The first being his other hero in Bob Dylan. Glass Houses was Billy's, quote, rock album, or was it his punk album? Or, as Steve Erlewine of All Music wrote in retrospect, it may not be punk. Then again, it may be his concept of punk. But Glass Houses is the closest Joel ever got to a pure rock album. And that being said, let's be clear. No matter what it is, rock, punk, or Billy Joel's version of both, this album is now and forever a Billy Joel classic. The first side of the album is nonstop hits. The second side are true fan favorites. And we have the pleasure of talking about all of them today. So let's get into it and take a listen to the 10 songs and Sete Toi that we will be discussing today on Billy Joel A Disease, The Last Houses album wrap up. Wasn't hurt. 
night we bring in our billy joel a to z team the legendary co-host huge close to the borderline fan and comedy seller legend alan altman hello alan hey dave i didn't know i was a huge close to the borderline fan but i'll yeah, take you it. are loser <laughs> i think with the real to that episode i think i i was not a big fan of it <laughs> and of course without who these album wrap-ups would be nothing the one man band himself sir paul lauren Hello. Hello. Is hey. it me you're looking for? Oh, uh, well, thank there. you for joining us as always, Paul. This is going to be amazing. I know we got to play a couple of these songs on our X letter album or whatever it was called, but it was the, that was one of the best shows ever. And uh, of course, thank you for always joining us and making these things really special. It's so, for me too. I think we're all in agreement that this album is awesome. This is the first album I ever heard of Billy Joel as I was right in high school at the exact right time for an album like this. And then, of course, when I went to college and heard the Nylon Curtain, it just got better and better. And then I discovered the back category. So for me, as I know, Paul's was An Innocent Man. Alon's, of course, favorite album is Greatest Hits 1 and 2. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so for me, this was my, I'm like, wow, who is this guy? This is amazing. I was I wasn't driving at the time, but when I started to drive, these songs were still out there and listening to You May Be Right or even It's Still Rock and Roll to Me and the my AM car radio was fantastic. And I just wanted to hear more Billy Joel. And then I remember hearing I guess, you know, three, four years later having this on cassette tape. And once I finally got a cassette tape in the car and then playing the second side and sleeping with the television on and I don't want to be alone anymore. Boy, this album is really something special. It's a very strange album in many ways. People sometimes hate it that are Billy Joel haters. 
but the fans, you know, think of, I think they think of it fondly. Don't you? Can I ask you something, Dave? Yes. When you were listening to the cassette and you got to side two and you were like, what, 25 years old or something like that? 22. Did you say to yourself? No, I was oh, 22, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Did you say to yourself or whoever was in the car with you? I have never heard this song in my life. <laughs> Duh. And back then they were like, well, yeah, why would you have? It's pr- pretty new, uh, actually. No, I, actually, I never had anybody in the car with me. I always just kind of listened to it on my own and like to sing along to it, of course, like we all do in the car. Yeah, well, this is the best sing-along album, I think, for Billy Joel. That's that's what I consider this. It's his hardest rocking album, and it's really the one that you can just put any song on and sing to because they're all a little unique. They all have certain vocal fun things in them. Uh, there's real no duds here, even the French one. I listened to the album as a whole today, and I would say that the one flaw to kind of the setup and I don't know where else you would put it, would be Don't Ask Me Why. That didn't fit in when you go back to what's after. It's still rock and roll to me. It's after. I, I don't. That song seemed misplaced listening to the album now as a whole. Hmm. Is that because you don't think it's a rock song like the other songs are rock songs? I don't know. It's um, I don't know. You know, it's like I understand that it should go a little. It goes fast. It goes slow. But it seemed to mix up the flow for me and then go back to it. Still rock and roll for me and all for Lena. I feel like maybe don't ask me why I should have maybe started the second side or something. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to agree with that take and also having through the long night on there as well. I think if he wanted to make this album a statement of, of what he was intending, um, I mean, you may be right, kind of doesn't fit because that's kind of like a rock. That's like a Rolling Stones rock and roll song. But if he's going for a new wave, post punk kind of statement here, I think you're right about "Don't Ask Me Why" through the long night being on there. It's kind of it's just they feel out of place. You're right, but they're but they're amazing songs. Oh, so they're what, absolutely. Amazing. Don't ask me why is an amazing song. But yes, why not just kind of put it at the end? Yeah, you know, when you're just doing so, but you know, because you're power housing out from the first and. You may be right. What a fan. We talked about this well two weeks ago now, but we I mean that what a what a great way to start off the album. Mm. The glass breaking. We talked about how long it took to get the perfect glass shatter. Mm. That uh what what's the manager's name again? Uh, Phil Ramone. Hardy yeah. yeah. <laughs> was trying they tried all these different ways to do it. So fascinating and really is per what a if if we make fun of his special effects and he deserves it because some of them are just stupid, uh, this is brilliant. What a great way to start off an album called Glass Houses, and then just that shatter, and then bow now 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 now. It's really really terrific. Yeah, and let's give him props for doing his own special effects. They didn't just find some uh, you know pre-recorded glass smashing sound. They got the real thing they did it themselves just like in moving out right. when they you know recorded russell javers's car or whatever it was so at oh. least they weren't just pulling it out of some sound library right uh, that's an excellent point uh usually we like to start off these things right away with paul playing uh giving us a little uh, musical number uh <laughs> would you be interested in doing something like that today paul yes i'm just gonna grab my hammer and a piece of sheet glass <laughs> <laughs> awesome
All the waiters in your grand cafe leave their tables when you blink. Oh, every dog must have his every day. Every drunk must have his drink. Don't wait for answers. Just take your chances. Don't ask me why. All your life you had to stand in line. Still you're standing on your feet. Oh, all your choices make you change your mind. Now your calendar's complete. Don't wait for answers. Just take your chances. Don't ask me why.、Mm, you can say the human heart is only make believe, and I am only fighting fire with fire. You are still a victim of the accidents you leave. Sure as I'm a victim of desire, all the servants in your new hotel throw their roses at your feet. Oh, fool them all, but baby, I can tell you're no stranger to the street. Don't ask for favors. Don't talk to strangers. Don't ask me why. Ah, yeah. Let's add nineteen more. Yesterday you were an only child. Now your ghosts have gone away. Oh, you can kill them in the classic style. Now you parlez-vous français? Don't look for answers. You took your chances. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. Yep, Paul. We're gonna need you to redo that. You said "ask" instead of "axe." <laughs> <laughs> I was doing the gay caballeros part. That's nice. Ah, <laughs>、oh, what a terrific song! You're so right. And like I said, you know, just because I said it doesn't belong there doesn't mean it's not just an absolutely gorgeous, incredible song. Really incredible song. Everything about it is good. Even though when you played that second verse and you hit. Different chords on the piano that were building up, and you were singing down or whatever that is. It was、uh, really exciting. Oh, thanks. Flubs、yeah. and all, warts and all, as they say.、But、even the solo sounded good without all the extra layers of piano. Thanks a lot. I didn't even realize that. Is that what that is? Just extra layers of piano in that instrumental on the album? Yeah, yeah, basically. Which is kind of cool. It gives it a vibe. I don't know how they recorded it, but、uh, if you have like one piano doing this. Right, so I mean, you can really never achieve that sound live, but you could approximate it, you know. And then they, they, all the pianos just do different parts, you know. If that one's doing, this one's doing. 
all on and on all the harmonies i never noticed that before that's so fascinating piano's doing harmonies that's cool yeah super cool does that happen a lot you have other examples of songs that no, they... i have no ex- well i mean if you think about a day <laughs> a day in the life that last chord actually that is maybe that's where he got the idea from or something like that but that final chord of a day in the life you know or whatever that is right i think it's e chord i don't know but but that's like nine pianos doing that and all the beatles are playing it at the same time oh i didn't know that yeah 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 it's just to give it that that thing well i would like to read this unbelievable review that is just gonna piss you off paul I mean, I bet this, it's from Rolling Stone magazine. It is from Rolling Stone magazine. It is that it's a it's a it's a long review. I don't know whether I'll keep the whole thing in, but um, it is by Paul Nelson. Do you know who that is? Paul Lauren. Paul Nelson. Is that Willie Nelson's son? No, I, I don't. I'll tell you more about him later, but you're not going to like this. And it came out May 1st, 1980. Was it an April album? March. March. Okay. I'm surprised the review didn't come out like ahead of the album or right when it, the album came out. He was a big star. Why would you wait two months for a review? Good yeah. question. But right. The album came out on March 12th. So this is two months later, but whatever. May 1st, 1980. Here we go. This is not good. <laughs> Glass houses. Billy Joel's <laughs> right from the start. Billy Joel's all out attempt at a rock and roll album is just about as convincing and exciting as Linda Ronstadt's recent Mad Love though the latter sounds a lot more game and likable than the former ever will. Ronstad may never understand what songwriters like Elvis Costello and Warren Zevon are talking about, but at least she knows who they are and that they represent something both honorable and artistic. She's not a complete deadbeat. Joel, on the other hand, always comes off like a particularly obnoxious frat boy who's hoisted a few too many while trying to put the make on an airline stewardess. <laughs> this guy's such a dick. <laughs> his profundity is singles bar deep as danny fields iggy pop's manager said long ago about a pointer sisters lp i thought we invented rock and roll to get away from the crap like this at any rate since mad love and glass houses will surely sell millions of copies perhaps a new music biz trophy is in order let's award billy joel a polyester record and hope he'll go away <sighs> Two rock critic friends of mine, both part-time Joel admirers, actually like Glass Houses, quote, because there's nothing overtly stupid on it, meaning there certainly was on 52nd Street, The Stranger, for some reason, some defense. Yet in a way, I suppose they're right. Unless you consider the entire album one bland and endless bad joke, as I do, there aren't any real howlers. Just fake this and fake that. Listen to Billy Joel take on the Rolling Stones, muffing a Mick Jagger inflection at the end of the third line in every verse of You May Be Right, while the band <laughs> dutifully cranks out what it considers raunch. Depressing, huh? Then there's fake Paul Simon, and don't ask me why. Fake Beatles circa their Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band for all for Lena, especially what? the choruses. No. That's what it says. <laughs> I actually wrote this myself. No, <laughs> You're getting it all out. And a god-awful sort of Eagles go punk state of the union message called Close to the Borderline in which Joel reaches the heady conclusion that life is tough. <laughs> huh. 
What's most annoying, <laughs> I mean, this guy's nuts. What's most annoying about Joel and his, his holier-than-thou sneakiness, his insistence to have it both ways, and you might be right, the singer strikes one of the silliest tough guy poses ever. I've been stranded in the combat zone. I walk through Bedford Stuy alone. In general, behaves like a perfect asshole, blames his girl for his actions when she points out that he's nuts, and then sums up everything with the logic of an egomaniac. You may be right. I may be crazy. I guess what Joel's trying to do here is picture himself as a lovable loony, a teddy bear with a zip gun, but this brand of madness is snug enough and smug enough to make someone like Art Garfunkel look like Iggy Pop. In concert and throughout Glass Houses, Joel sings in a voice that's pushy and bossy and whiny at the same time, like a rush hour bus driver bawling out his hapless, weary passengers. If ever an artist has misunderstood the freewheeling challenge of rock and roll, it's Billy Joel. On stage, he's a lounge lizard whipping himself into an artificial frenzy to put across some kind of warped notion of what he imagines, say, Bruce Springsteen, Neil Young, or The Clash stand for. Now, maybe this is why he waited two months, because he clearly saw him and saw it in concert as well to make a hmm. <laughs> this, these comparisons. I mean, this guy's just the worst. There's a whole nother thing. I don't know if you want me to. I'll skip around. It's it's it just keeps Billy Joel loves to play the bully. He's always laying down terms. There, there's a, three more paragraphs. I'm skipping <laughs> because he just continues to lambaste him. If that if that sounds like a contortionist trick of what he spoke about before, so does the whole album. Glass Houses was apparently intended to be loose, raucous, and less quote, well-made than its slick predecessors, but it comes out sounding twisted and confused. And it's still rock and roll to me. Billy Joel's so screwed up that he sees himself championing, champion. Can somebody word that for me? Championing. Thank you. Jesus Christ, I'm an idiot. Good old rock and roll against what he considers the newfangled fads. It's the next phase, new wave, dance craze anyways, it's still rock and roll to me is his method of kissing off all the upstarts who perceive that Joel is a lot less than the big city brawler he pretends to be and a lot closer to being the cocktail lounge piano man he supposedly left behind years ago. Maybe Joel ought to fess up, forget about being a rock and roller, and settle down in the middle of the road. His piano playing's lively, his band is dogged and his kind of music as the sales figures prove makes plenty of people happy billy joel writes smooth and cunning melodies and what many of his defenders say is true his material is catchy but then so's the flu i don't think he likes billy joel i'm just saying this off what i learned it seemed fair and even-handed <laughs> here's the best part guys that the the review is over so then i did some research on this paul nelson because what an asshole, right? So apparently, Paul Nelson, who is no longer with us, <laughs> he says... I suspect foul play. He was lonely, chain-smoking dude who slept on couches of friends and had filthy personal hygiene. <laughs> After he lost his job at Rolling Stone, he became a video store clerk at Evergreen Video in Greenwich Village. And not just the clerk, the night clerk. 
<laughs> so Billy Joel had his revenge. So this was comic book guy from The Simpsons, basically. Exactly. Yes. Worst album ever. Yes, that is exactly it. Billy says, I remember seeing that review. But with the authentic thing, he's talking about Springsteen. He is, is a guitar player. and The guitar is the definitive of rock and roll instrument. A piano player is always suspect because only rich people are supposed to have pianos. Mm-hmm. So he summed up his scathing review in a nutshell and taught him a lesson in respect. That's an interesting he... point. It's kind of like with sports. Like you see someone playing basketball and then you see someone with like a crochet mallet. You'd like, this guy is some pretentious douchebag. That's right. In Playboy magazine in 1982, uh, Billy was talking about the album. He went on to explain that part of his shift in sound and image came from the knowledge that he had to prove he was more than the artist people recognized from his recent hits. And he says, and we know this already, I could have come out with a record that would have guaranteed a certain amount of sales just by repeating either the Stranger album or 52nd Street by doing something similar. I mean, we've always mentioned that, that that's the problem. People just want to hear the same thing over and over, and he's not like that. He said, frankly, I would have been bored to do that. I would have been a dead duck career-wise. You have to discard an audience to pick up another one it's a definite temptation to repeat a successful formula, but I've never done the same thing twice, which is completely true. And remember, this is 1982, and he continued that, you know, going forward. I don't care what anybody says. After Stranger, I could have done Son of Stranger, but I've never done that. To keep me interested, there always has to be something new, something different. Hmm. 2011, in the... Uh, I don't know which it might have still been Playboy. I think they might have still been around. Oh, yeah. You had a subscription, you know. Yeah, that's right. He said, we had two or three years of playing in arenas and coliseums, and I recognized that I needed to write bigger music. Ballads don't always fly that well in an arena. You need big sound. So I started harder edge songs, more guitar-based songs. It was fun to do. This was probably the most fun album that I ever made. It happened fairly quickly. The band loved playing it. The audience loved the material that was on the recording, and we were on a roll. That's great. Isn't How that- can you blame them? Exactly. That's Come and on. I mean, I just can't believe when I saw that article, I'm like, the guy won't stop. E- even for a second, this guy doesn't say, however, I did yeah. like, uh, wh- what's the one you just played? Uh, don't ask me why. Uh, you know, I mean, nothing. I mean, this guy well. just... <laughs> continually gives it to him i i didn't see any of his other reviews but now i'm interested but i you know then i looked on to see like i hope he gets his just desserts and clearly he did i mean when somebody says he suffered from bad personal hygiene that's like the worst thing you can say about somebody he truly is the comic book guy the worst episode ever i think yeah. there's a issue with rolling stone as an institution as we've seen recently from the Jan Wenner remarks. I mean, he, him being at the, at the head of the pyramid for all those years. And basically he's the editor. He's okaying these things. He hated McCartney. He, yeah. I mean, he he just really had his favorites, right? He really had his favorites and Joel was never one of them. I, you before we got on, I just want to say quick that, and, and your listeners could look this up on their own in their own time, but Rolling Stone did air an interview with Billy Joel that same year you know the cover, right, of him with his fist up. And, and the headline, of course, is Billy Joel is Angry by Timothy White. That is September of 1980 in that issue of Rolling Stone. So they they gave him space to have his point of view. 
But the article doesn't do him any favors if you read it either. I don't know. I mean, Billy Joel's angry. Well, if he didn't print a lousy review four months earlier about him, maybe he'd be a little less angry. Well, it's weird. Actually, we we might as well just go for it now. The the weird thing is on March 9th, 1980, which is right after the album came out of it, or actually before, I think it came out on March 12th. So the New York Times gave him the exact opposite review. Before it was released, and you know, back then, everyone was reading the Times review. Mm. Billy Joel, whose new Glass Houses LP was released this week, owes his success to many things, but large among them is the way he epitomizes America's love-hate relationship with New York City. If New York, in the eyes of the older generation, represents jazz and sophisticated Broadway pop stylings, and for the new wave crowd, it is the home of minimalist art rock for most of America over the past two decades, it's meant a particular kind of ethnic lower-class rock and roll. This sort of music shifts in its outer details with the times, and it waxes and wanes in fashion. Its best-known earlier practitioners were such Italiano-Americans, artists as Dion and the Belmonts, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons, and a bit later... Uh, People I don't know. More recently, it's meant Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel. But Mr. Springsteen and Mr. Joel appealed to different audiences. And Mr. Springsteen's fiercer partisans are deeply suspicious of Mr. Joel. The reason is that while Mr. Springsteen harkens back in his music to blues-based rock, Mr. Joel's musical roots are much more diverse. He draws on whatever catches his fancy at the moment and seems unafraid to include the unhip cocktail piano stylings. Mr. Joel may be a rocker in most people's eyes, but he holds himself defiantly apart from the perhaps more self-consciously primitive black-inspired traditional rockers and new wave rockers. He is a lower middle-class white boy from New York with all that stereotypes, quirks, and pride. As such, he elicits an abundant loyalty from his New York fans, people just like he is, except that they don't happen to make millions of dollars a year. And right now, at least, he is winning the loyalty of pop music fans all over America as well. From a New Yorker standpoint, that national popularity is fascinating. Wow. Glass Houses is a clear step in the line of Mr. Joel's musical evolution. This time, he is nodding the direction of the latest fashion for up-tempo new wavish rock. There are fewer overt ballads here, lots of bare driving rockers and even a song it's still rock and roll to me in which mr joel manages to exploit the new rock sound while proclaiming his independence of it this disc is in fact hardly a big break from his past sound what it really means is that his up-tempo songs have a formal coherence they've sometimes lacked in the past and what ballads there have been stripped of of their most pathetic qualities and stand out all the more effectively it may not be a record for the hard rock fan but it's very likely to be number one on the charts within a matter of weeks. I mean, this guy got it completely right. And he refers to him as Mr. Joel. Yeah. All those old times. Respect. respect. Remember the other guy was just saying, Joel is an idiot. (laughs) So did this New York times guy ever become a video store clerk? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't know. Wow. I, I mean, yeah, you agree. And it's also, it's also kind of forecasting his his career. I mean, yep. yes, he he kind of took New York in some ways, cultural New York of the seventies and eighties, uh, and brought it to the rest of the country. He he's so spot on about that, and uh, I don't think it's a departure from his earlier sound in a lot of ways. I mean, you have big stadium rock now. You have arena rock of, of Big Shot and The Stranger, 
you have moments, but it is more cohesive on this record, sure. Um, so yeah, it was good for you. Whoever, whoever that wrote that, God you bless. Know what? I, I should know, but I don't. Um, you know why? Because uh, I had a lot of trouble getting that information because I had to subscribe to the New York Times to get it. It's <laughs> you could ask me. I, you could ask me. I have the subscription. Oh, sorry. You know the thing is though what you just said is like it's not a departure. It's not a departure. It's it's what Billy just said. I do different things every time. Mm-hmm. So yes, it is not a departure. It's just this is what I decided to do on this album. Yeah, yeah but he also pulled out certain things. Like he kind of stripped down to what really works. Like he didn't put in a thing like Zanzibar on this album. Like you don't see like a big right. artsy kind of song like that. He said, let's just focus on the rock stuff, straightforward kind of things that might be hits. Yeah, let's not put like a like a song in French on this record. Let's not stretch too far. Well, well, maybe maybe one, maybe one French song. <laughs> yeah, I guess that. I don't know. You know, as like again, as I was listening to the whole. I mean, I really like that song. It's just the French part that is disturbing, but it's <laughs> it does fit where it is on the album. It worked. That second side is exactly where that belongs, and probably don't ask me why. Even though, don't ask me why it was a a hit. And still is. And he plays it in concert to this goddamn day. I mean, that's always seems to be so true. What real Billy Joel fan doesn't love side two of this record, you know, for so many reasons, at least those first three songs are just like, you know, from don't want to be alone to sleeping to, you know, set to twice. That's, uh, that's classic stuff right there. Classic. Really fantastic. And speaking of which, um, would you like to uh, play another song for us? Oh, should I I be talking so much? It might be time. (laughs) All right. She said she'd meet me in the bar at the Plaza Hotel Wear a jacket and a tie What's the occasion? She just smiled and she wouldn't say why So here I am standing waiting Lobby sweating bullets in the stupid old suit. And when she sees me, she bursts out laughing. You're a sad side, honey, but you look so cute. And singing, I don't want to be alone anymore. I was checking you out, I was just making sure. No, I don't want to be alone anymore. And I want you tonight, although you heard me before. It didn't matter that I felt like a fool I forgot when she walked through the door I said I'm sorry but she said it was cool And I don't want to be alone anymore Dave, I know you hate this like this part here But we're doing it anyway Mm, It's so confusing choosing sides in the heat of the moment Just to see if it's real so erotic having you tell me how it should feel but I'm avoiding all the hard cold facts that I got to face so ask me just one question when this magic night is through could it have been just anyone or did it have to be you and will you still be saying I don't want to be alone anymore I was checking you out I'm just making sure No, no, no I don't want to be alone anymore And I want you tonight Although you hurt me before 
It didn't matter that I felt like a fool I forgot when she walked through the door I said I'm sorry but she said it was cool And I don't want to be alone anymore I don't want to be alone anymore Want to be alone anymore You gotta sing with me That's a great one. Yeah, I think when we sing, it doesn't on Zoom. It's not good, so we just let it play out. But metaphorically, sing. Yeah, we were we singing were. along there. You could see us doing. I it. could see yeah. you. Well, you can't see Alon, but you can see me enjoying it. You know what? Yeah. I was enjoying it. <laughs> were you? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> this is slander. I'm not going to face this anymore. <laughs> well, I'm that was here. terrific. I really like that song a lot. I was singing it today. It's really, except, yes, I don't like that beginning part, but it's all right. It still works itself out. And why don't we take this time to go to the ranking? And number one, which might be one of my favorite Billy Joel songs of all time, is... And I think the number one song on the album is... I'm really just saying, you may be right, it's still rock and roll to me, and... Don't ask me why or my my worst three. What? The I'm looking for comfort that I can take from someone else. But after all, I know there is no one that can save me, save me from myself. You were the 